I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever dance with the devil in the pale like it's 1989 podcast like it just podcast like it podcast like it's 1989 podcast like it just podcast like it podcast like it's 1989 baby fish mouth baby fish mouth Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1989, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1989 atop a chandelier here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us today, we have not one but two guests, though they share a name. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Whitmer, uh, journalist, writer, uh, written for GQ, The Ringer, Vulture. How do you like that? And <laughs> K- Carrie Corrigan, uh, associate editor at Brightwall Dark Room and a freelance writer. Uh, <laughs> well, got it. Nailed it. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. I feel, I feel like one of those. I feel like one of those waiters who doesn't write shit down. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's yeah. great to have you guys both on to discuss Phil's favorite movie. It's um, not my favorite movie, but it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, uh, what, yeah. what what adult has a favorite movie fall. except me? Do you guys have favorite movies? Uh, oh boy. Yeah, that's yeah. I think yeah. I I think I would say I have a handful, but there's also like favorite movies for different moods. Sure. Can I? So Kenny and I we've talked about this on 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 wait, previous wait, podcasts. I, 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 I've you? never I've never met the carries before, but I'm just gonna yes. I just want to put them right on the spot. Sure. Top of the head. First thing that comes to your mind. What? What is it? Your favorite movie? No. Well, I can tell you oh, what mine is. Or, but, or a movie uh, that you just love. Like the movie that movie. comes to mind when you think, I love this movie. Oh, God. For me, probably like Uncut Gems. Wow. You're the coolest. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that, was, that was very exciting. Uh, that was awesome. Not I, what I, I expected, but I'm so thrilled. Just, I, I guess for me, it's like... Uh, 
culmination of a lot of my interests and uh i watch it all the time i watch it like it's the That's movie amazing. it's the movie i've watched the most frequently over the past and it only came out like less than two years um, ago yeah <laughs> which is amazing yeah no i would say uh, Kerry Kerry, between, what were you? like yeah good luck talking that you've got mail and red <laughs> wildly different <laughs> <gasps> oh. You've got mail. Oh no! Whoa! Oh no! You don't know what you just started, Carrie. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. We can don't do that another we, podcast. We did a whole thing on "You've Got Mail." Kenny's last podcast. <laughs> I think it's not a good movie, but uh, Reds. But is we're a movie not going to go there because it's a Red, whole thing. Reds is a movie I've never seen, but uh, but instinctually respect. So you know what are you going to do? I have it on my DVR currently. I've never <laughs> seen it. I need to I'm, watch it. I watched it because Carrie kept referencing it in a group chat that we have. And I like <laughs> sat down. It took it. it it's good. Was but the it's chat me. about like socialism? <laughs> no, just like, just like every Sunday, Carrie basically texts and she's like, oh, just watching Reds again. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> the three, three hour plus movie with yeah. Sunday. You know what that means? Yeah. I, I, I think that's cool. No, like legitimately, like legitimately once maybe every, I feel like every month, every other month I watch Reds. <laughs> Like every six to eight She's weeks. She's not exaggerating. It's like a timer goes off. So that's so amazing. I, I, I finally watched it in Man. Um, Warren looks good in that movie. Yeah, he's a babe. Yeah. Warren uh, looks very good in that movie. It's such a horny it's, it's movie. It's a very horny movie. But also like Nicholson's kind of in his prime too there. I mean, if he you're is, into Nicholson, yeah. that's when did he's... Nicholson have a, did Nicholson have a handsome guy prime? Uh, Carnal knowledge? Well. I don't know. Oh, I just I watched that for the first time last week. If you're if you're into, you know, I don't know if he was. I don't know if he, like so he's sure. a weird guy because like he yeah. when when he was in his like sixties, I think women were finally like as a sixty year old maybe. But <laughs> was he? A, he was never like a. He was never a young. He was never a, like a, like a young hot dude. Uh, maybe like Chinatown. He's like hot. Yeah, he's hot in like a way that is like this man has always he's been yeah. old. <laughs> Even and, when he's and young. he kind of he kind of looks like he has a very menacing face, um, or maybe that's just because I associate him with The Shining and Batman. But sure. to me, like he's sure. always sure. been really scary looking. He's can I ask a, looking. Can I ask a question? I'm so glad you agree. Here, here's a question: so um, Is Michael Douglas hot? Yes. Yes, in in okay. certain things, yeah. Okay. Because he's kind of skeezy too. All right, but maybe so wait, wait, makes him hot. No, give me, give me, give me hot Michael Douglas, and give me not hot Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah. yeah, hot Michael Douglas is like I think he's pretty hot in War of the Roses, but not like at the end, like when he's really sweaty, he's not. Really and forcing hot. himself on her, it's not great. Yeah, yeah, not great. He he has some hot moments in it, but like, or especially like at the beginning with his like Harvard wig, that was disturbing. <laughs> Um, yeah, not hot. Hot and basic instinct for sure. sure Interesting. Good answer. good answer. Maybe not hot in like the game. Fatal attraction? Hot in fatal attraction? Oh, uh, I I thought this was the least hot I've ever seen him. Fatal attraction in, in, in this movie. Oh, in I would have great I like I'm not he's like borderline in this movie for me. I think he's I will venture to say I think he's hot in the um the American president. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> That's the, the it, sure, it, sure. I, Wall Street. I, just he's hot. wholesome in that movie, yeah. though. He's, he's so wholesome. wholesome. He's like yeah. a wholesome hot, which I'm in. Yeah. You know what it is? Like sometimes, you know, 
you it's a sports thing, but there there are athletes who are people you just hate when they're on the other team because they're miserable fucks. And then when they're on your team, they're your miserable fuck and you love them. Like Odell Beckham was a giant. I'm a big Giants fan. You all know Odell Beckham. And he was he's a well, he's a very handsome guy. Okay. But he's he's, he's a beautiful man. But okay. he's like a he, he was brutal. Like he's brutal if he's not on your team and everyone hates him, but he was on our team and I loved him. I sure. think like that's like Douglas has a little bit of that American president where you're like, oh, he's our asshole now. Oh, I love this guy. And he's he's very hot now. But uh, I think he's like, I think he's very un, unattractive, like in this movie. Like, well, this really, movie is also really like it's his prime face. like yuppie shit, too, a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like and not in like the Wall Street way where like the, I I. I don't know that either of them are like super hot in this, but they might've been in 89. Like this is a fashion thing and haircut thing that I'm just not sure was like, I don't know. Yeah. I was kind of confused by that. Like during the, during the entire movie, I was like, like they're clearly like very rich and their home is, I'm like, is it supposed to be beautiful or are they trashy? I think it is. Like, like I really couldn't tell because I, like, I would, I don't know. Like, I, I remember like '90s decor and like what, what like a rich person's house and like style in the '90s was like. But '89, I would not know. Well, like for me, the coolest, and this is going to say a lot, the coolest rich person house for me was what they turned the house into in Beetlejuice when <laughs> uh, when uh, Catherine O'Hara turns it into like this weird fucking Art Deco art piece thing. And I feel like this movie, like that house is something I think people strive for. Like what Barbara does to that house is supposed to be a thing we want, even though I agree it's not anything I'd want to live in. I feel like it's like, oh, sorry. Sorry, go Go ahead. I feel like that's the kind of like to kind of pit them to like put them together, Beetlejuice and um, War of the Roses. It feels kind of like that's the traditional rich yuppie house that like, they probably would have lived in in Beetlejuice if Catherine O'Hara wasn't like, I have to be a different type of rich person. Right, right, totally. Yeah. So Kenny has never seen this film. Carrie Corrigan's never seen this film. Carrie Whitmer hasn't seen this film in quite some time. So I, I have seen this film innumerable times, which speaks probably too much about me. I'm also... Shockingly, not married. So it's possible that that's why I find this film as funny as I do. I'm curious, as Kenny is the only married person on this podcast, what he thinks about its depiction I'm of marriage. I'm so married. <laughs> Kenny is married with four kids. Kenny's the most oh, married oh of the God. four of us. I'm yeah. like, yes. So uh, I, 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 yeah? I, I don't know if I want to go. I mean, I, you know, I'm, you don't I, need I, to, no I don't, I'm not asking I, you to I, dive into your marriage. I'm just saying, you like, know I how, would. Yeah. You know, I would. That's I know, I, I'm, I'm happy just, to do it. Um, but I kind of, if you're cool with it, Phil, I don't want to drive the conversation because I don't really get the flick. And I want to understand. Okay. I'll find driving the conversation. I I, want to understand what, why you love it so much. Like as a, I I mean, I'll do it a little bit as a married person. There were times where it was very uncomfortable where there were a lot of things that reminded me of my own marriage there. Sure. I, I think that there is a, uh, an interesting message at the end that I'll get into as we, you know, go, go, go sure. through the movie. <laughs> and I think that this film is um, specifically mm-hmm. 
a response to like the plague of divorce that happened throughout the 70s and 80s that was new to this baby boomer generation that isn't quite as relevant today. Mm-hmm. Now, it like it it is the 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 dynamics in a marriage are kind mm-hmm. of, you know, never going to change. Sure. Um living with somebody is a very high stress situation. Sharing your money with somebody is a high stress situation. You're sharing your life with somebody, all that stuff. But the specifics of this kind of divorce, this don't get mad, get everything, Ivanka, Ivana Trump divorce, mm. um, is not it's it, it's not what we do now. It's it's marriage stories what we do now. Yeah. So, which I think would be a good double bill with this movie. It's I good. Was, so, I was thinking yeah. about that. So it's so it's it plays almost more like a satire. Uh, on a specific type of person at a specific time in American history. And it's weird. And it's so specific that it's hard to kind of even get myself in the mindset, but that's, that's where I came to. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I'll just sort of come at it from the divorce thing, which is I am, a, I am a child of divorce for what that's worth. So I never knew my parents together. Um, I, they got divorced when I was like six months old. So like, I basically never knew my parents together. I don't know if everybody's parents are still together on this podcast. Mine mine are still together. Okay. So I'm the only child of divorce on this podcast. So I, I just, I guess on some level, um, it kind of takes the piss out of a somewhat obviously kind of thing that's in my DNA, which I kind of enjoy that it, that it's allowed to sort of relentlessly fearlessly mock this thing i just i i find the movie deeply funny now i don't know if that's because i have a twisted sense of humor which is very possible um i just i (laughs) i found myself watching it yesterday just really just laughing out loud now i think it's because the movie is it just doesn't give a shit like i really don't know that i can think of a film that goes for this and like i mean spoiler kills them at the end (laughs) like truly gives zero fucks this was a studio movie and this movie made 160 million dollars at christmas i was i was reading the wikipedia page (laughs) and my i i could not believe it like my like my jaw just like slowly opened and i was like like how did this make so much money over the holidays over the holidays at christmas this movie made essentially about 320 million dollars today so like but don't you think like part of that is the star power and the fact for sure that it was like, for sure for sure they were reunited the, like because wasn't i've also i mix this movie up with uh romancing the stone okay. all the time <laughs> which different. i've also never which but i've never yeah. seen but it's like the same three people it is as is jewel of the nile which was the sequel to romancing the stone and they all have oh, yeah. they all have similar struck title structures in their yes. own weird way like weirdly know. they do yeah yes I, I think that i mean and this is part of there's actually a really interesting guardian piece that I, i'll i'll read a little quote from in a bit but that talks about sort of the deconstruction of their stardom, right? Like this is a movie that takes these three people that at the time were, you know, very big movie stars uh, and essentially says like that happy ending that we gave you in those two previous films, we're now just basically going to tear it apart. Um, It's just, I don't know. It's just really, 
it's so crazy to me that this movie exists. Like I was watching it yesterday and on several occasions just thought to myself, I, I truly can't believe this movie exists. Like I, I, it is just, it, it doesn't give a shit. Um, it's also just uh, Danny DeVito, who's got a spotty filmography at best in terms of successes and failures. I think it's his masterpiece for sure, which is that like, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Um, it's a really stylishly filmed movie. It's got mm-hmm. like lots of really cool photography and a great score. Um, you know, I want to talk. There's, we'll talk about it a little bit. There are some stuff that that doesn't age well. I mean, there's gender dynamics that don't age yeah. particularly well in this film that I don't love um, for obvious reasons. But I don't know. I I think that. Um, I think there's something very, I agree with everything you're saying, Kenny, but I also feel like it doesn't bump me, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I the, the, the whole periodness of it, the whole, like, post-Reagan, Carter, yuppies, divorce thing is definitely there, and that's definitely a reading of it. It's just not something that, that, that you know, bumped me. I, 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 I remember watching it I think at a sleepover at a friend's house. And the only thing, which is so fucked up, but I, like, I specifically remember that. And I didn't remember, like, any of the movie, except I remembered the opening credits, like, with, like, the white sheet. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember the scene where she um, is, like, hitting him with the car. Oh, I thought you were going to say when she bit his dick. No. <laughs> That's a scene no. that I might remember as no, a kid. No, because I think I was so young. I was probably like seven or eight, honestly. I think it was like at, at this friend's house. I remember like the room we were watching it in, but I cannot remember the girl's name. Um, but I remember watching this movie because we like thought Danny DeVito was really cool. Sure. He is. <laughs> I just want to say, I'll, I'll say yeah. one other. You were, you were right about that. There's one other thing I wanted to say, which is, uh, so this comes out in 89. I'm nine years old when it comes out, so I'm probably in grade five. And there was a girl in, in my class who looked a lot older than everybody else. I mean, by at least the standards of whatever we thought. And her sister snuck her into this movie. I guess her sister was on a date or something and wanted oh to go God. see this movie. And it was rated R. So in Canada, that meant you had to be, I believe it's 16, but it could, I think it's 16. Anyway, this girl was able to go see this film. And I remember her coming to school on the Monday or whatever and talking to us about this movie. And the movie felt like contraband. Like it felt dangerous. It felt like this weird, scary kind of movie that deals with these like really adult themes. Um, I saw it shortly after that and didn't really get it. I mean, I remember I thought it was, my mom thought it was funny. So I thought it was funny is sort of by osmosis. And then it just became this thing that I watched on loop throughout like my teens as like, the movie about marriage, which is perhaps why I'm single. But I do think that, you know, all of this is to say that it was this weird movie that I think just hit a vein that people, like if this movie was released today, I just don't even know that people would go and see it. I I wonder if it would have like, I'm trying to think of a a modern comp for it, but I'm almost thinking like something like a cult comedy, almost like Wet Hot American Summer or something, like something that you either get or you just like don't get at all and don't like. 
Sure. Um, but I mean, I, the closest thing that I could think of was Wolf of Wall Street, which is a completely hmm. different thing. But like, it's also going for this manic, black, dark, comedic kind of sensibility. Yeah. It did remind me of Scorsese a little bit, like very, yeah. like in some of the shots and stuff. But I, I, I liked it a lot. I, I didn't hate it. I, I, I liked the movie <laughs> a lot, but I think I enjoyed it because I viewed it a little more as like, um, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a, an idiot. Um, but it almost felt like, a, maybe it wasn't intentionally, but it almost felt kind of like a, um, it felt like a commentary on like the excess and materialism of the eighties in a way sure. that I enjoyed. Like I, I wasn't even thinking of it as like a divorce movie. I was like, oh, this is like a really interesting, like, analysis of like wealth in this era and it was like kind of toward the end of the decade so i thought maybe that was like intentional but maybe it wasn't which is why i was kind of confused like is this how people like wealthy people really lived in the 80s carrie you look like you want to say something um yeah i Carrie, do you want me to do you want me to open no. the door a little bit to a to a contrary opinion? No, I right. I <laughs> am like so so on whether I like it. Like I haven't really been able to make up my mind yet, but I liked um I liked watching it and kind of appreciating it appreciating it as like I feel like in the eighties there were all, there was like a trend of these really intelligent comedies studio comedies for adults that like were mostly didn't james l brooks produce this yeah he did which is kind of odd they were all like james l brooks well so i know i also knew about this movie before i watched it because of um you must remember this and polly platt yeah polly platt discovered the novel gave it to james l brooks it was supposed to be her direct uh her directorial Mm -hmm. debut and then she went to witches of eastwick which is what i kept thinking of while i was watching it i was like oh this movie feels very similar in vain to like that movie where it's like those two kind of stand out to me with the whole trend in the whole like sea of smart adult comedies from the eighties of ones that are a little bit like starting to push it into this black comedy um, world where it's a little bit like, yes, this is really smart and they're making commentary about you know, feminism and slimy men and divorce and all of this stuff. But it's also like, how did this movie get made? <laughs> like, because it is weird. Both of yes. those, both of these movies are weird. But it's like the weirdness is disguised in a, in a very like audience friendly sort of yeah packaging well it feels like kenny and i did um she devil the other day the uh meryl streep roseanne barr ed begley jr (laughs) comedy oh my god um (laughs) which is which to say those three names together um and and we've we've done the burbs as well and we've done heathers and i would say these four movies really sort of epitomize what you're kind of talking about carrie this idea of like pushing the boundaries where's the the comedy and the, the social commentary, um, this kind of this this dark comedy thing, which essentially kind of, and I think Ken, you said this on the She Devil episode, but like they just got bad and then they stopped making them. Is is ultimately mm-hmm. what happened. She Devil and did not is is not bad though. No, opinion. no, I was I wasn't. She no, devil, I was yeah, suggesting yeah, yes. there. Yes. Yeah, 
Yes, I just but, want to make but, that, that clear. But I do think this movie, you know, doesn't have a supernatural component. Not that I would say the Burbs or She-Devil does, but they dip their toe into those waters a little bit in terms of... They're, they're not supernatural know? movies. They're more surrealist, right? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So they, 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 their, their tone is heightened. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Heather's, I would say, is a little surrealist too, to be honest. The only thing that's surreal about this movie is the fact that they both, you know, die falling from a chandelier at the end. That's a little surreal to me. Everything else is kind of grounded, um, or at least it's built up to it. Um, I want to like this movie by the end of this podcast. (laughs) But uh, I... I, I, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'll do my well. You haven't even heard anything. I no, I just, I just you mean just tell you know, my facial weird, no, expressions. But it's, but but look, I mean, here's what I here's what 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 I'm hearing, and what I'm trying to like parse. I feel like I'm hearing like it's a weird movie. It's a black comedy. It's you know, uh, it's crazy. It got made. It's crazy that they did these things. But and I feel I feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but. But I don't hear the but, and, and like the 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 but it's it is this like I hear all these like weirdest weirdest is not good or bad, right? Black comedy is not good or bad. These are not these, these are not these are not qualitative things. What about it? What about it? Like speaks to you. What about it? Do you love? What about it is exciting? I think, and because I think that I I I, yeah. I, I get I, I mean, because I get that like it's. The, the humor is dark, but I, I, I think, and not a criticism of the movie, mm-hmm. but certainly like a barrier for entry, mm-hmm. is that the there is no uh, there is no sympathetic protagonist in this film. You, ca- I kept wanting that sympathetic protagonist to be Kathleen Turner, and she kept doing things that undermine the idea that she's someone who should be sympathized with. Now, I also want to give the movie credit that they killed her at the end, too. So the movie certainly understood that there were no good guys among the couple. But because there was no good guy among the couple, it was hard for me in the scenes between them to feel anything other than stop, 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 stop. Mm. You know, not like turn the movie off, like stop, stop, like, like, like stop like just like i i don't want i i don't want either one of you to thrive i don't want either one of you to like break free like i want this to stop this is this is not enjoyable for me so that's what i'm getting i think that no, they i have, agree okay <laughs> that's, so, oh, so that's was, fair no that's fair i, I, I was gonna say i agree and I, I think that that was one of the reasons i remember like hearing that was one of the reasons why Polly Platt like left the project was because the she kept saying to the screenwriter like you know she kept seeing the in the original script that Kathleen Turner's character was like even worse than she is in the final um, film and she's like you know it's not gonna work if one is really really shitty and the other one is kind of shitty they have to either be equally shitty or there has to be like a clear person for the people for the audience to sympathize with and like this movie right now is like you're kind of being really shitty to women and like making all of these social commentary uh making all this social commentary that i don't really 
it doesn't sit well with me. And the writer was like, I don't give a fuck what you believe in. So I, I, I don't care what you I, think. I, I, I want to I piggyback on exactly that point because that, that really hones in on what, what my issues were with the characterization of, of Kathleen Turner's character. She is right. She's doing the thing she's supposed to do, which is essentially say, I want a divorce and leave me alone, right? And she, and she kept saying, like, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone, which is... You know, that's the character you were supposed to sympathize with. She is the one who's being, you know, who's having her life uh, invaded. She is the one who's being psychologically abused. And then she would turn around and do unbelievably awful things back to him, like bite his dick. Right. Like there, there is no there is no world where, a, where we're biting a dick in that situation. It wasn't as if, like, she was in the process of being raped. It was it was pure retribution or where she threw him off the down the attic doing all these things over and over again and she said and and frankly like sharing the note was unbelievably terrible yeah. sharing the note he wrote her was like unbelievable terrible so so there is exactly what you said Carrie there is this like middling that every time i wanted to like root for and you get you don't have to root but every time i wanted to root for a character they brought me back and she wasn't so shitty where at the end she deserved to die with him. So it was very yeah. hard. Her her character characterization is a little like like it's kind of it, it flip-flops throughout the movie. And I wonder like I, I like I do like stories where they're just like every like there's really like no moral compass in the story. And but they kind of kept trying to be like, oh, but like she's struggling. Or, I don't know. I'm just rambling, but I, I just wonder if the movie would have been more effective if they went either she's also terrible or she's having a very hard time and she's the one who's right. I think that first and foremost, I, I hear what everyone is saying. Um, I personally see all of this as an asset and not something that hurts the film. I mean, I, I appreciate that um, they both have sympathetic qualities um, and that we are pushed and pulled along this journey throughout this miserable experience of these two people getting divorced. Um, is, is Oliver uh, invading the home? Sure. But he also believes that it's his home and he paid for this home and he worked hard for this home and he should, he shouldn't have to be kicked out of it. Um, it's, and on top of it, he's still very much in love with her. She knows that she's out of love with him, obviously, but he he's pretty open about the fact that, you know, he, you know, there's this great line in um, near the end of the film, which I wrote down, where um, uh, where Gavin is talking to uh, Homer Simpson, who plays the guy who's sitting in his uh, office. Oh my um, god! What? I did Dan not realize that. Castle. Oh my gosh! Um, he says, "How do you hold on to someone who won't stay, and how do you get rid of someone who won't go?" Um, which is, you know, ultimately the movie in a nutshell. Um, I, I, I like the fact that these two characters are unsympathetic and sympathetic at the same time. Um, I hear you, Kenny, that there isn't a person to, to root for in this movie, but that's kind of, I, well, I don't know. That so there, it, there that is a question. Like yeah. There is a question of whether this is a 2021 thing or, or so whether this is a fair uh, argument, but in 2021, mm-hmm. it's very clear to me mm-hmm. that 
getting someone to go who won't go is righteous and getting someone to stay who won't stay is not righteous. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so her position is one that I have sympathy for and his position is one that I have very little sympathy for. On top of that, I think that, you know, bringing a Polly Platt, I think also kind of speaks to the fact that it has a very, you know, and, and kind of her silencing uh, when it came to making this movie, it has a very male view, male centric viewpoint of marriage, which is the man makes the money, right? So it's not his house; it's their house. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's it, it's not, and 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 he and I didn't, I I felt like the argument she kept making was in and of itself, like. I, I, it's such a bad argument, which was he's like, I make the money. And she's like, sure, but I spend the money. And like, and she's like, I picked out everything in the house. Well, do a hell of a lot more than that. If like, if the, if the, the writer, director, producer had more of a concept of what happens in a marriage. So it, it, it I found it I'm very. Not, I'm not negating that, but you can't say that Oliver has no leg to stand on in this argument. I think that's, I think that's. Phil, we're talking about the moment where Kathleen Turner says, when I see your face, I want to smash well, to, uh, it. Yes. And he says, yes. go ahead. She says, I was going to read, the, I was, I was going to read the lie. Just I, think it's, I do think oh, it's a ahead, great line. Yeah. Uh, because when I watch you eat, when I see you sleep, when I look at you lately, I just want to smash your face. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and yes. which is interesting. Cause it, cause that's also like the most romantic moment in, um, Punch drunk love. Yeah. So, you know, that's not always a, bad a, thing. Yeah. a, a violent yeah. sentiment. But go ahead. So then basically then, she, then she he says, you want to punch me? You want to smash my face in? Punch me. She does. He turns around and he says, you better get a great fucking lawyer. Uh, no. Okay. Don't leave out what, what he says. He says, you do it again, I hit sure. back. Sure. Um, and, and then says, you better get a good lawyer. The reason, he, listen, Kenny, the, 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 it's, the best your money can buy. Then they. Then she says the best your money can buy, which, by the way, yes. great line. But also the idea is it's his money, not her money. I, I'm so I, the reason that I said I think that it makes it's a turning point in the film because it's the point in the movie where the movie becomes physical. And it says these two people are going to physically do whatever they have to do in order to, quote unquote, win this war. It's the moment when the film says you're either on board for these two people physically kicking the shit out of each other or you're not. It Now, I personally thought it was entertaining to watch these two terrible people kick the shit out of each other, board their doors, bite their dicks, do all these sort of crazy things. Personally, I found <laughs> that entertaining. I think it's a funny, dark comedy. I don't think it's a film about physical abuse. I don't think it's a film about Bite a man who's, who's trying to, you know, it's that, that's just not my takeaway on it. But that being said, you know, I, I do see that take. I do see why that. Well, no, no, that I want to make it clear. Okay. That's not the take. That's not the take that I, I didn't use the term physical abuse. That's not the take. I used like, gaslighting, mental abuse, emotional abuse, but I, it, it is not a movie about physical abuse and fighting between a man and a woman isn't, in and of itself, always problematic. Okay. I am. Not, I have no problems yeah. with Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I have no problems with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I am, I am well aware of what is happening in those films at those times that led to the fighting between men and women. 
in this movie. And again, there is a version of this where divorce devolves into battle royal, which doesn't bother me. But that didn't seem like we are going to have a a a. a <laughs> it was grounded, is what I'm getting at. This was a grounded film, and when you start the violence, it starts it starts to get heightened to a place where I I really don't know what I'm watching and what I'm supposed to be doing. And again, I. I just I want to I want to just push back funny? very quickly on the groundedness I, I, I for think... just a quick second, Gary, and and just to say that I don't think this film is grounded. I think this film is told like a fairy tale. I think this film is shot in a very cartoonish, almost comic booky way. I think this movie is from the jump, almost basically saying we're going to be a, a a big movie that is taking big swings and doing weird things. I don't think this movie is particularly grounded. So. I, I hear that, but I, I just I, I don't I don't see it in the way they expect it. Carrie, please, sorry, I didn't mean to get wrong. I don't. I mean, I don't think I. I think the problem lies in that it doesn't take big swings until the that that's what that I'm going to punch your face in mm-hmm. part. And I think that's where I'm like, yes, this is entertaining, but it tonally doesn't fit with like. To be frank, like the first half of the movie, I was bored, and I was like, this. I, I was like, this isn't, the pacing of this is too slow. There is way too much exposition. Like, I, but I, it's also like, I don't, you're, tr- I see that they're trying to set up these characters and who they are, but I'm also kind of like, but I don't feel like I know them. You've done, you've spent all yeah. this time establishing these characters, but I don't know them. So there's, the, I get that there's supposed to be this payoff in the end of watching it, it, It's like watching a fight scene in like an action movie or like, shit blow up in a Michael Bay movie. Like it's all, it's all show to me where I'm like, I get where it's entertaining on this level, but there's no undercurrent to it of like, who do, like, who do I have empathy for? Like, what is my, not even who do I have empathy for, but what is my, as an audience, what is my emotional investment in this moment? Aside from the fact that it's, great production design and it's cool to watch people beat the shit out of each other. That's my, that's my, that's that's completely fair. I mean, I, I think that, you know, when when push comes to shove for me anyway, you know, I I think that I do think that it is um, from a production perspective, I do think that it's very well made, but as I said earlier, I think it's really funny. And I would also argue that I don't, I don't, um, I guess I'm not as intellectual or I don't think as much when I'm watching a comedy as I do when I'm watching a drama. And part of that is because I'm a drama writer. Part of that is because, you know, when I go to a comedy, I hope that it makes me laugh. And that's kind of the only bar that I set for it for all intents and purposes. I, and if it can exceed that and it can be even richer and more interesting, that's that's tremendous. Um, I, I think that this film is just very, very funny and 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 well made and and weaponizes the stardom of these people at a time when I I, I don't know that that many people were doing it. So you know, you want to do I the will synopsis? The synopsis. Uh, after seventeen years of marriage, Barbara, played by Catherine Kathleen Turner, and Oliver Rose, played by Michael Douglas, want out. The trouble is, neither wants to part with their opulent home. So it begins a long war between husband and wife, reaching farcical heights that leave much of the house, not to mention their lives, in shambles. The couple's children watch in horror while lawyer Gavin D'Amato, played by Danny DeVito, tries his best to stem the bloodshed. It's written by Michael Leeson, adapted from Warren Adler's book and directed by Danny DeVito, as we mentioned. Where the was opened on December 8th in first place ahead of National Lampoon's Christmas 
Christmas Vacation, Back to the Future Part Two, and She Devil. It would go on to make $160 million on a $26 million budget. It's got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and 71% from audiences. Uh, Roger Reaper gave the film three stars and said the attorney and narrator in this film is played by Danny DeVito, who also directed War of the Roses. And although I dislike devices in which a narrator thinks back over the progress of a long cautionary tale this time, I think it works. It works because we must never be allowed to believe even for a moment that Oliver and Barbara are going to get away with their happiness. The lawyer's lesson is that happiness has nothing to do with it anyway. He doubts that any marriage is destined to be happy. Of course, as a divorce lawyer, he's particularly slant on that subject. His lesson is more brutal. Divorce is survivable if only the Roses had listened. There are a great many funny moments in War of the Roses, including one in which Kathleen Turner plays a gymnast, springs to her feet from a prone position. Again, this is like Ebert just being like horny on Maine again. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, in one lithe movement and another in which Douglas makes absolute certain that the fish Turner is serving uh, to some of her clients will have a fishy smell. But the movie tends to uh, trend a dangerous line. There are times when its ferocity threatens to break through the boundaries of comedy to become an unremitting uh, where we cannot find a laugh. It's to the credit of DeVito and his co-stars that they're willing to go that far, but maybe it shows more courage than wisdom. This is an odd, strange movie, and only one I can remember in which the moral is, rather than see a divorce lawyer be generous, generous to the point of night sweats. Um, I want to read very quickly um, something out of The Guardian, which I mentioned earlier, uh, which they wrote an article in its 30th anniversary last year. Well, they said, it's easy to forget how consistently, bracingly nasty The War of the Roses is, thanks in great part to the extravagant and festive studio packaging it arrived in, unwrapped in cinemas 30 years from this month. It was fast-paced, glossy, Christmassy, and deceptively it starred one of the most beloved on-screen couples of the 80s, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. At the end of the decade, they reunited to show us that happily ever afters are as fantastical as treasure maps and that early romance will more likely give way to seething resentment and sadistic violence. It was rare in 1989 and arguably rarer now to see a film of this scale have the courage of its convictions, maintaining its dour worldview right up until the bitter and bloody end. Dark studio comedies tend to end with light and fear of scaring off the wider crowd needed to justify a hefty, hefty budget. But global audiences embraced The War of the Roses in its filthy glory. It was a box office smash and most revealing about its success is outgrossed both Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. For all its cynical and commercial wins at the time, it, had, it has not had the afterlife one might expect. In the years since, its cultural impact has been surprisingly slight. It's the rare 80s hit not to receive a sequel, remake, or reboot, a blessing, I'd argue. Its DNA can be felt, though, mostly in Gillian Flynn's cynical marital thriller Gone Girl and its faithful big screen adaptation with the author herself naming Adler's source material as one of her favorites. What's fascinating on my upteenth rewatch this year is how cruel it still is. 30 years on, at a time but it's much harder to shock. It's less the behavior of the couple and more about how it found its way into a film of this scale and gloss, uncensored, played for laughs. Um, so I, I, think, I think the Gone Girl thing is an interesting thing. It doesn't surprise me that Gillian Flynn likes the book and perhaps the movie. Um, it does have... Uh, I, I saw Shades of Gone Girl watching it yesterday. I mean, I think that there is there are, you know dark comedic components to the relationship between uh, Amy and uh, and um, why can't I think of Ben Affleck's character's name? Ben um, anyway, yeah. So oh that you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think everything you guys are saying is completely apt. I'm obviously not disagreeing with you guys. Part of this is taste. Part of this is what you know. Kenny and I have talked a lot about these uh, 89 movies and seeing them early in your life and then having an imprint on you and sort of being unable to kind of really see them through uh, 
you know, a clear, a clear lens is also possible too. I just think that the, I just, the movie makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't, it, it didn't really make me laugh out loud, but I found it, it was like one of those movies where I like, I was like, Oh, this is funny. Like when she bit the dick, I was like, Oh, this is funny. But I like didn't laugh at all <laughs> throughout the whole movie. I don't think, um, I think I just laughed because at a certain point, I, I, I think like five minutes into the movie, I just started laughing because I was like, this is like just so Danny DeVito. I had just, sure. um, I just felt like his directing style is just like, this is just so specific to him um, for some reason. And I have, I just recently watched all of its, rewatched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Sure, sure. And I was like, this sure. is just like, this just has him all over it after like five minutes. I think, great. I think there's also, um, you know, Stephen Burham shot this film who has shot, um, a good chunk of Brian De Palma's movies, um, which feels like it makes sense. Mm. Um, I, I think not just aesthetically, but just in terms of tone, in terms of what it's trying to convey. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I hear you guys. I do. I, I guess that you know, um, the the I'd like to walk through the plot because there are some some points that I feel. Um, I don't know. I thought were really funny and really insightful. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it's certainly possible. Yes. Please. I, I want to say I, I the one thing you of, of of what you wrote. One thing that I thought was really uh, valid and is 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 a is I I think is is closest to the reading I have of it, which is when Ebert said it has more courage than wisdom, and I think it does have a lot of courage. I I think you know I think. Telling the story this way and espousing a very specific view on marriage and happy endings and, you know, uh, uh, apparently the impossibility of, of having a happy marriage, uh, taking it all the way to the end, is bold. Um, I don't see the connection to Gone Girl outside of, you know, kind of it's both about couples who have some issues gone girl to me and this is you know my very specific reading of gone girl and why i love it so much and i think it's the best gone girl is about how cool it can be to be married and how things happen within a marriage and within a partnership that's that close that could never happen uh almost in any other way and if you are willing to embrace it, embrace the partner you, you've, you've, you're with and the person you've chosen, really, really exciting things can happen. And I, maybe that's just because that's, you know, that's, that re- reminds me of my marriage to some extent. But uh, that's something I really love about the ending of God. It's crazy. Don't get me wrong. It's fucking crazy. But but you know you take that as a as a heightened, exaggerated, elaborated version. Um, things happen in a marriage that wouldn't happen any other place. As you have secrets together, you know things about each other. You're vulnerable in a way that you aren't with anybody else, and that's fucking cool as shit. And what I love about Gone Girl is like they really don't use it against each other. That you much. don't feel like Amy's gaslighting um, him through the entire movie. You don't think that Amy is like is gaslighting. emotionally gaslighting? Definitely not the right Emotionally, I know gaslighting is definitely not. She's emotionally manipulating him through the entire. <laughs> well, film. I don't know what to she's, tell you. Is she not emotionally manipulating right him through the entire film? 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. Is she emotionally manipulating him? She is... (laughs) emotionally manipulating him but at the end of the day what he accepts is that's part of what he likes about their relationship yeah and she only pushes him so far to the point where at the end she lets him in and he makes the choice to be her partner as opposed to the choice of not going of of not continuing so i i think that that is now don't get me wrong i think that that is a specific choice and I think that that's not necessarily, you know, a, a quote unquote good marriage. But that is a modern marriage that I can understand emotionally. And this is a marriage that, don't get me wrong again, like this exists too. The marriage where people just destroy each other, but they're totally different. I, I, I think that Gone Girl is closer to to Phantom Thread than it is to War of the Roses. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that it's yeah. not in terms of that abusive component, but I also think that it, it it is not when I read that, it did not surprise me that that Gillian Flynn, you know, what was inspired by Benio. Go ahead. Yeah. What when you were reading that, the movie I thought of, this is like really embarrassing. Um but I thought <laughs> I was thinking about the breakup, sure. which is a movie that I do yeah. not like. But this is but, like the breakup. You're right. Yeah, but it's a movie that is always on when I'm staying in a hotel, <laughs> and even though, and even though I know that I hate the movie, I always just sure, leave it on sure. the channel when I'm in a hotel. Um, but I, I was thinking about that because I, this is a, it's almost kind of similar in that both of the main characters are not particularly likable. I think they and I think they try to make Jennifer Aniston's character. Mm-hmm the sympathetic woman who is doing everything around the home and is really frustrated because the man just, just kind of sits around and doesn't think that she like, it's like the emotional labor that he doesn't see Mm -hmm. that she's frustrated with kind of like Kathleen Turner. Um, And it's almost kind of similar because at the end you're just kind of like, Oh, like I don't really know how to feel about these people because I don't particularly. I I think that, I mean, the breakup's the closest thing to War of the Roses for sure. I think it lacks the courage of its convictions, which is sort of what, oh, what, absolutely. We're, it's... Both, what we're all kind of saying, which is I think that, uh, you know, if nothing else, I think the film that, that War of the Roses is is courageous in the fact of its, you know, it's fearless in terms of what it's doing. Whether or not it is effective um, in terms of being entertaining or whether you like the film, 
you know, I, I, that's that's a that's a taste thing. But you you said it's a fairy tale. I feel like I might be parsing, but I, it's a fable. I think it's a fable uh, more than sure, a fairy tale. Sure. Um, and I do think that fables tend to take uh, take their dark messages all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. So you you know you you kind of you, you kind of see the consequence to the end, and I think that that's okay. I think that's good. That's not like I bumped my score at the end. I bumped my score up probably 15 points because of the way it ended. Um, I think that that's, that's the, the strongest and boldest part about it. It's the Carrie uh, Corrigan made the point earlier that the first, that it starts slow. I, I couldn't believe by like minute 45, they were still together. Um, So I agree. I think it starts really slow. And, um, I think the 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 fight and the war is uh is not much of a war either. I I like I I feel like it, I don't know. Mr. And Mrs. Smith like does this thing really well too. It does. I did think about Mr. and Mrs. Smith as I was watching it yesterday and and you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a deeply entertaining movie that I really really enjoy. Um, it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense on plot, really. Um, and oh. the reshoots and the rewrites and the whatevers, it's mm. all felt. Um, better better than The Departed. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kenny's <laughs> hatred of The Departed is is tremendous. It's, well, it's a very similar plot, right? It is a similar plot, plot. right? Like, is, I, like, I, I, you don't know the other person's a secret agent at the same time, but like it fucking rules. I like I Mr. 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 Smith. I'm not, I'm not dogging it. Yeah, I'm not saying you know, but I think the thing about I hate the about the Departed so much is the the the, the plot device in Departed yeah. belongs to a movie like Mr. and Mrs. Smith or Infernal Affairs. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Like, it doesn't belong to a fucking Oscar-winning movie. It's so fucking absurd. But all <laughs> it just, right. I, I, I think that Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, is, um, is a great movie. And, and again, similar to this film, completely weaponizes stardom, right? Like that was Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie at perhaps the peak of their powers when it comes to just stardom and star wattage. And manipulating that and having fun with that and deconstructing those notions and mix into it all of the stuff that was happening off screen. It was all just a really entertaining movie. I'm not in any way yeah. saying it's not. It's also very sexy. My God. <laughs> Hottest I'm, getting, I'm getting like hot just like thinking about it. Um, <laughs> it is which, a very, this War is not a sexy movie. Not, War of the Roses is not a sexy movie. This is not a sexy movie. Uh, I'm going to give it a little credit that I didn't expect to give it. Um, I've seen Romancing the Stone and Romancing the Stone is a pretty sexy movie. And they definitely have chemistry, like really, really good chemistry in that movie where you do want to see them together. And the fact that they have like negative chemistry in this movie is pretty impressive considering I know these two actors have sexual chemistry. So like, if they had that Mr. and Mrs. Smith energy, the thing about Mr. Mr. Mrs. Smith is like at the end, you're like, oh my God, you two have to like do whatever it takes, kill everybody else, but it's got to be you two. Like you, like you're each other's lobsters, not yeah. to bring it back to the fantasy, <laughs> but, uh, but in fucking War of the Roses, it's the opposite. It's like, oh my God, get away from It's funny you other. bring that up, Kenny, because yeah, like, there was one other person that was apparently in the conversation to play Barbara, which was Cher. And oh my god! I I can't imagine it, 
because of exactly kind of what you're talking no. about, Kenny, right? Like if it's not the two of them, like I just, first of all, like Cher, I love Cher. Don't get me wrong. Like Cher's amazing. Um, and she might have been great in this. Like she does maybe, could maybe have to, I, I don't know. I, I can't even Loki, I think she'd be good in this. I think, I think she would be good. I, I, I think, I mean, I feel like she probably would have done a similar, but like a more like chaotic thing that she did in Moonstruck, yeah. like yeah. just like a little more angry. Like that would be great. Like just see Cher scream at Michael When Cher's pissed yeah. off, like. Would be amazing. I love a good Get piss the off Cher. Cher would have been better. <laughs> Share would have share would have been better. I like I I, I yeah. agree. No, I do. I think like this movie does something very weird, and and and, and I kind of hate. Uh, it made Kathleen Turner a gymnast, om- almost entirely. So she yeah. was a good fighter. Yes, and that's like gross to me in its own way. But like, but share. You don't need to make her a gymnast to make me think that she could beat the shit <laughs> yeah, out of Michael yeah. Douglas. Yeah, you know? I hear that. I hear that. It almost it, it almost felt like they were like, oh well, Barbara's blonde, so we're gonna have to like come up with the way for the audience to believe that she could physically be an equal to. No, I I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Kathleen Turner in this film, but when I did read that Cher was up for it, there was a part of me that was like, hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. It 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 just I I think I, I I liked Kathleen Turner in this, but knowing what I know about her other performances, I'm just like, it, I don't think it was her fault. I think it was just like her and Michael Douglas like just didn't really bring any romantic chemistry into the beginning of the movie. So I just yeah, it, kind of felt like yeah, the stakes didn't feel as high because I was kind of like throughout the movie like. Oh, it didn't seem like you guys ever liked each other that much. Like to me, I kind of read it as like you guys just met each other when you were young, and then you just got married and yeah. mismatched from the jump. It, right? it definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting what you were saying, Carrie, about how it's it is it takes its time and also kind of rushes through things in the first hour. Um, in yeah. terms of just apparently, I mean, listen, there are always working cuts of this, but the first cut of this was, I guess, over three hours long and they had to sort of figure out, you know, obviously how to get it down to a much more manageable number. And it, it does feel like we kind of hit these beats in that first 40 minutes or so um, that feel, I don't know. I almost wanted less of it or more of it. I, I don't know. There was just something that kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Cause it's weird. It's- it's oh, just yeah, exactly. weird. It's like they're they just met and they're like they just met and they decide to like fuck and then it's like a jump cut or a dissolve or something and all of a sudden they have two kids and yeah. it's Christmas yeah. and, and it's, Christmas. it's like six years in the future. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah. But the, but then but yeah, but then that part of the movie is like the longest yeah. part. It's it, I, I I do wonder like how effective it would be to maybe see like a remake from someone with a similar sensibility. I was to thinking DeVito, that. like a kind of like creepy chaos. Like I almost think like Emerald Fennel or a Safety Brothers wore the roses. I'd watch a Safety Brothers wore the roses. That might turn us all into <laughs> dust. That might be too chaotic. It's um, all the dust. <laughs> I don't know, but 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 I, I feel like someone like or particularly a yeah, female yeah. point of view would be really interesting to because you could probably trust a I female totally filmmaker agree. more. Than me. There's 
some of those things that there's also work. a couple things that I want to highlight that don't age well um, that I don't like about the movie just so it doesn't seem as though I'm completely uh, unaware of them the whole overweight kids thing I was just like it's just That's it was so weird, weird and just like a weird joke that I'm just not entirely sure and unnecessary why. like to the plot completely unnecessary oh yeah so I I'm, I was just gonna say like what was the point of that were they just trying to make her really seem like a an ignorant mom for well, no cause reason? They're, they're, they do go back and forth in terms of their ineptitudes and like he's bad yeah. at things that she calls him out on and they have consequences and, and I guess they wanted to give her some of those things but unfortunately they don't balance it. Bad mom because she gave her kids dessert. It's a like. very... Yeah, I know. It's, it's not yeah, a good like. one. It's a very ugly idea. That it's a, but I mean like... Like, like, Carrie, you just kind of like said that as if that wasn't what they were thinking. That's what they were thinking. Yeah. yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, that, like, they were that, that is the argument. The argument is if you have overweight kids, you're a failure yeah. as a parent. And that's Fuck pretty, uh, yeah, that's pretty damaging. I, I also yeah. think that, you know, you, uh, Carrie Whitmer, you brought up Danny DeVito earlier. And Danny DeVito, part of his like shtick is like, overly horny i guess <laughs> is sort of one of the things that that people you know what i mean like just horn dog i guess yeah um and the horniness that exists in this film at times i'm just not into now oh. well the foot job's the, a little weird he uses a knife from the table to cut her pantyhose <laughs> off yeah that Fucking was crazy like <laughs> i i don't I don't want to. And, he, and then he put some sauce Danny from the did. from his plate on her foot it was fucking crazy that's that was so weird crazy. yeah that was I don't. Okay, that's not kink shaming. That's that's public. She, you, you can't do that in public. I, I don't want to kink shame Danny DeVito, but also, I, I, I do. I'll always say this about every movie. I wish it was more horny than it was because then it. I don't know. Every movie should just be more horny than it is. But like that scene, that scene where Danny DeVito says, "Like I haven't been in defeat since 1982 or something," just like I'm like this could have worked in this movie but this feels like super out of place that yes. whole scene was I, and by really the way odd. like i'm not i'm all for i horny, feel like there are a lot of jokes characters. like that me too that but it's just i'm off yeah i'm all for jokes like that but it's like you've got to either like do two more or just yeah. not do them at all <laughs> because it, or like it, the, it doesn't work it's like it's too yeah. random and then it's like a joke for the joke's sake or just like make sure that your romantic leads have sexual chemistry yeah in the beginning they, they of the try movie. to yeah. do it at the top when she's like in the rain through in a see-through top and she's like doing gymnastics uh a handstand and he like looks through her legs like they're it's that stuff that i'm just sort of like I don't. I don't need this, and I don't. That's like, like that. They, uh, that's like Randy, and I like yeah, like, Rand- like Rand- Rand- Randiness. Like I'm never a fan of. Like that's very different from Randiness. Like I, like Rand- Randiness. Like get away from me. I also uh, thought <laughs> at at the beginning of the movie when they're like. Is it like the scene when they're yes. having sex and they they're in those like purple yes. silk sheets? I'm like, you guys, like that does not convince no. me that they're hot for each no. other. No, like, and her multi orgasmic stuff I, too. Where that yeah. joke is like what? <laughs> yeah, didn't she have it's, some it's joke a, it's, about? It's just, oh, she like called this, it is an unnatural line. line. <laughs> she called this the bald Avenger. Avenger. Yeah. yeah. Oh my it's god! So, and then he might like, bring yeah. it back. Oh, Guys, this is all oh, stuff I'm not a fan of, just to be very Dan, clear. Well, hey, 
Day one, I mean, day one penile nicknames, and that's, that's bold. Penile like, nicknames is a great she, band. She kind, <laughs> she kind of she 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 kind of had a had a childlike quality to her in the in the beginning yeah. that I thought was very weird. Like I think the handstand in front of him with like you know her legs spread open that's a that's a weird thing to do. I don't disagree. Day one, yeah. maybe a child a child might do that. You know, sure, um, but. Whatever that, that that almost is bad. I think, yeah. there. I would not fall in love with someone who did that. No, that's for sure. Yeah, no. Oh, I, me neither. So I'm I, 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 I'm I'd gonna run. jump ahead a little bit to the house. They get the house. They who get the Randy? house. The first thing we see in the house is the chandelier. Um, we're constantly, or not constantly, but I think appropriately hearing the tinkling of the chandelier throughout the film, um, sort of teeing up mm-hmm. what what is what is to come. Um, I uh, the whole cat versus dog runner throughout the movie I think is is pretty funny. Um, the the whole killing the cat like the other thing too is that they do things to each other at times that are accidental or have accidental consequences that then set off a bunch of shit like her not willing to give the housekeeper the sleeping pills so he has to go out that night and that's why he runs over her cat or. Like it, 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 they're sort of unforeseen consequences. Um, I, yeah. uh, yes, there, there's a, there's a solid foundation of resentment sure. running sure. throughout the film, and the resentment is the marriage killer, yeah, right. So, things like what you're talking about, where like party A re- resents party B. And then party B in turn resents party A for the sure. consequences of the thing that, that it was. That's that really that felt mm-hmm. real to me, but also felt like this is why therapy was sure. invented. I don't disagree. So. This, this, yeah. Um, so basically, Oliver uh, and and Barbara get in sort of a physical tussle, if you will. He thinks it's playful, but she doesn't. She squeezes him with her legs um, that potentially sets off um, a muscle tear of some sort. He then thinks he's having a heart attack. At, Sounds like it did. It's though. possible that it didn't. It, she she does say. I think the doc yes. the doctor was like explicit right. that it didn't. And then and then later he's like, I thought I was dying. She's like from indigestion. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so he thinks he's having a heart attack. She doesn't go to the hospital. Um, he reads her the letter he was writing to her as he was dying. He says, "I didn't have the strength to sign it." She says, "I'm sure they would have told me who it was from." <laughs> Like <laughs> that was the, that's the funniest line of the movie. It's a great line. Um, well, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, she then there's also sort of he's snoring and she sticks her fingers up his nose while he's sleeping and basically says there's the reason why I didn't show up at the hospital is because as I was driving there I had this strong feeling you were dead and I got scared because I was happy, um, which is sort of the beginning of everything. She wants a divorce. That's really sort of this moment. When she gives the letter to her lawyer, that feels like it's the moment when Oliver snaps and is like, this is the end. Okay, can can, please, can please. I say something about that? I, I'm probably going to sound like a horrible person, but based on other divorce movies I have seen and other stories of divorce, like I'm not a child of divorce, as we discussed earlier, but my mom's parents had a horrible mm-hmm. divorce that like, like my grandpa's now dead, but is basically still like looms over my entire mm-hmm. family. Um they got married twice and divorced twice. Nice. One of those. Um, uh, anyways, that's, um, that's but very, love, actually. Very hostile. <laughs> very hostile. Most, 
It's so yeah. romantic to me. So I, I didn't, I guess like based on things that I've heard from my own family and other movies and other people, I didn't think that the letter was that bad. Like I would compare it maybe to like in marriage story when, um, Oh, what is it? He tells his lawyer that Scarlett Johansson was drunk yes. one night. Yes. So, and they use that against her when it was like a vulnerable conversation between the two of them. He used it like, like I, it just, that to me felt like a more normal thing that people who are getting a divorce do because they feel like they have to do something that drastic, drastic and that hurtful. Right. She also um, felt bad about it. Like, like it's, it's bad. She, she did. So, so I, I, I felt like that was supposed to be like the turning point and it was the turning point for him, but it was like, to me, it didn't feel as bad as it was maybe intended. I hear to. that. Like, I feel like that sure. was, that was the movie trying to get me to be a little bit on Oliver's side. And it just, it was No, I, I hear that. I mean, I think that it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a plot device in order to sort of get wh- where it yeah. needs to go. Um, which is, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I wanted to mention that when Susan asked Barbara, the housekeeper asked Barbara for the sleeping pills, you can see a decided sort of lighting change and the lighting scheme changes into a very sort of like gothic sort of, you know, quite frankly, just everything's like in the shadows and it's, it's almost monochromatic. Yeah. Um, the film essentially for the last third of the movie, once the war really, when basically they don't leave the house, that gothic lighting scheme essentially takes over from that point. Um, Barbara traps Oliver in the sauna, um, which is fucking crazy. I mean, he just... <laughs> that was yeah. the worst. I, I feel like that was that the was the part. That yeah, did. that was homicidal. homicidal. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, she, she. I. If that was like that was worse than biting the dick. Because yes, she was, like, trying well, to she, kill him. It should be said, too, that, again, like, I, and I mentioned this on Twitter, I would love to see Danny DeVito direct a comic book movie because, like, I do think he has this very sort of, like, heightened stylistic vibe to him. But, like, there's yeah. the shot of her grabbing these two files off of the tool wall, essentially, and a mallet and just banging these fucking things into the door of the of the sauna. Um then you have Oliver showing up drunk in a top hat and tails for uh, for Barbara's client dinner um, to try to destroy her business, I guess. Uh, I do like Oliver saying, I guess I'll go piss on the fish. And then he does actually go and piss on the fish. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. This is all stuff that I think is funny, but maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway. It's just, I, I, I think it was funny to me. That scene in particular, it just like made me realize like, I'll never understand wealthy people of like any decade. <laughs> that was, yeah. One of all decades, I will never understand wealthy people of the 80s. Sure. Like, that's a, like, that just felt like a weird choice of something sure. to do with like a, a business dinner. Yeah. And that dress was really weird yes. with that like white sash over Very there. 89. I did not That was some 80 shit. That, that was the scene where I started to think if you were going to make a comedy, maybe you should have cast some comedians because like, I just started to feel uncomfortable for them at that point. The actors that Michael Douglas is tasked with like a James, a, 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 with like a Jim Carrey bit. I laugh. He can be funny, but he's not, That's he can be like, shit. I keep thinking of like, yeah, he can be funny, but he is not that specific like um physical comedy 
Like he doesn't pull it off in this movie. Like the, I'm going to yeah. hop up and stand on the stove and like piss in the, like a, the whole, the gag of it doesn't work for me. It's hard to think exactly who would be the person that would hit this perfectly because the ones I'm thinking of go too far. Like this isn't a Jim Carrey movie. This isn't a Will Ferrell movie. This probably isn't even a Ben Stiller movie. You probably want someone, you know, I, I think we've seen Vince Vaughn try this and he failed. So you probably, yeah. like, but the, I think maybe, you need like, I think you need like an actor, like a, some, not like a comedic actor, but an actor who can do comedy, which I guess mm-hmm. is what they thought Michael Douglas was. Um, I'm thinking, I, sorry, I, Kevin Klein, I think could, Kevin, maybe. Kevin Klein, or like modern, like today, probably like, honestly, Adam Driver, even though he already did Marriage Story, I don't want him to just yeah. have to do divorce yeah. movies divorced, for the rest of his life. He's the divorce man. I, I think, I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, going ridiculous with it at this point almost, but like, Tom Hanks, you know, like I think mm. Tom Hanks is maybe the guy, but then you also get to that place where you kind of have to be okay with him getting his, you know, dick bit, which is yeah. part of it too. And that's hard. I, kept, I mean, I kept thinking about, um, cause we keep coming back to how Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas were this huge, like this huge sure. movie couple in the eighties. And I kept thinking like, if they did this in the nineties with, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, they couldn't. Like, it was already kind of like, it was already a bit of a though. stretch and you've got mail to see Tom Hanks play an asshole. Because, like, the whole the whole reason you've got mail works is because Tom Hanks is such a good guy that even though on paper his character is an absolute horrific asshole, you're like, this is yeah. a, he's a good guy. Like, he's not so bad because it's Tom Hanks. And you're uh, encouraging Meg Ryan to dump Greg Kinnear. Uh, Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear for a man yeah. who's literally driving her out of business yeah. and like catfishing her. But like, I, I, that's I, I, I can't get can... back into you got mail, but I oh, got okay. the couple for you guys. I got the couple for you guys that I would I would pay a fucking hundred dollars to watch the movie between okay. the two of them. Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. <laughs> I mean, would watch for sure. I would pay a million dollars. could do it. I don't they, all, they already did Revolutionary yeah. Road, yes. which is almost similar, but and much less funny. Darker. Much less funny. Revolutionary Road is the exact same movie without fighting, but like, yeah. like they didn't get that. I don't want to see them just break up. Like, I would love to see them. Like, I would, I would go, watch the shit. Out I of that, love Leo sure. and, and like. I, I love would, Leo in Buck Wild yeah. mode, and I think Kate Winslet, like, obviously, would be amazing in this too, and could do anything. I think that's can it the, be directed that's the, by the, the Safety Brothers. Can, can, kind of can it still be directed yeah. by them? Yeah. We, no, we already, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Kenny. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and we we already know that Leo and Kate look good, wet, <laughs> so they'll look like better sweaty. Than sure, Michael sure. Douglas did. Like I was, I was, I was not into the sweaty Michael. No, Douglas. I don't. I wasn't into anybody I, sweaty in this not. movie. Quite. I, it was. I, I, yeah. I'll say this: when the movie does, and we're at this point where essentially, the thing that tips it uh, is Barbara invites uh, Oliver to have sort of a, a civil dinner. He won't leave the house, and she insinuates that she turned Benny the dog into pate. Now, apparently. Originally, she did, um, and they they oh. added the 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 cutaway to the, the, of the dog in the dog. in the garden <laughs> because 
audiences, test audiences were like, that's a, that's a bridge too far. Yeah. So I do think that that's amazing, though, that the movie did say, well, yeah, no, she fucking turned his dog into So Holy shit. You guys have seen uh, the South Park uh, where uh, Cartman, I think it's called like, whatever, uh, where Cartman turn, like kills his enemy's mother and makes the enemy... And it makes her the chili, and then makes the guy eat the chili. It's the it's yeah. yes. I okay, I can't. I I can't with plots where like you're eating something like fried green tomatoes. I cannot watch that. Ugh, freaks me. So out. I hear you, and my my point is that it works really well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that but that's the product of twenty years of building up to a place where I believe Cartman to get back at his enemy might like I, I I forgot who it was that he killed, but I think it was his dad or mom or whatever. Fed his mother in chili, but I, I so it's a, I was thinking about it this morning. It's like there is a way to make that work. Well, have I has think, anyone? But this would this has would not have been read it. Titus Andronicus yeah, no. or seen the film Titus? Is anyone on here? Oh God, no! I guess we're going. A to long. Film. Let's just say that. Let's just say that, that there's people eating in that. I don't want to spoil the ending for you, Kenny, because you haven't yeah. seen a it. lot of people. A lot. Oh, there's of a lot of people eating. eating in that. Well, I think you <laughs> Just mad. Um, so um, Barbara <laughs> says a good dog to the last bite, and that essentially tips. It's a good line. line. Tips Oliver. He loses his mind, uh, essentially. And from this point on, the movie just becomes he boards up the house. She goes into the attic. She loosens the chandelier because she wants to drop it on him. Um, and uh, <laughs> he hears her in the attic. She bites his dick. As we've mentioned, um, I love there's two unbroken shots of Oliver. Again, I actually do think that it's not that Michael Douglas is funny at physical comedy, but that the shot is funny that he's in, if that makes sense. Like there's there's a moment when she has this giant monster truck of a truck and she and he drives a Morgan and she crushes it. And there's this unbroken shot along the front lawn of him just being like bounced along as her car crushes and drags his car across the lawn. Or when she like kicks him on the stairs and he falls backwards on the stairs and you see this amazing shot of him like sliding backwards and bumping. Like there's something physically funny about the shots that are constructed around him, maybe less so than him being a broadly comedic actor in his own right. Um, there's another shot which I was leading up to, which is when she put, slides him after biting his dick, slides him along the floor of the attic and off, <laughs> off the, out the door. Um, then, then Susan, the housekeeper, shows up because she's obviously worried about them. And there's a moment when he throws a giant chair at her, thinking that she's Barbara, and she like ducks. Which again, I, there, I thought was really funny that she seems unfazed by this. Um, there's a callback to this small sculpture that they both bid on at the auction in Nantucket at the beginning, and it's sort of the moment where you sort of, I don't know, you're starting... I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I'm supposed to feel like that's like representative of the only thing left between them that, that matters, and he breaks it. Well, no, it's two things. It's I think it's, I think, first of all, it's a callback to when they were happy and how they met, that in and of itself, but also mm-hmm. just... The, the last thing they're fighting over is this thing. And he says, you can have everything else in the house if you let me have this. And she and he says, just say that it's mine. And she says, okay, fine, it's mine. Like, she won't even give him that, I think is sort of a breaking point. But it's also that he smashes it in her face. It cuts her face. He runs upstairs, apologizes, says he's sorry. 
she hits him in the face with a crowbar, knocks herself onto the chandelier, um, which she's now caught on. Um, and he tries to uh, pull it, the chandelier towards the, the stairs or whatever. He gets pulled onto the chandelier. She admits to him that she loosened the chandelier to drop it on him. Um, there's also a great line where he says, through all this, I've always loved you. And she says, I know. And doesn't obviously say it back to him. Um, and then we have them falling on a chandelier from like 15 different angles in order to make it seem just crazy. And I think it helps a little bit with the buy that the fall might kill them. Um, and, uh, and then with her last, with his last dying breath, he reaches out to touch her. And then with hers, she pushes his hand off of her. It's great. <laughs> okay. I am happy they died. If they didn't, yeah. if they didn't both die, that really would have upset. I think there's me. also just like the, the <laughs> yeah. sweet score of him reaching out to her and her taking his hand and looking like they're at this moment of death is going to bring them together, and then her pushing his hand off him. I think it's great. That was the funniest part of it. That was yeah. That was the best. Part, and then I Gavin, s- I thought, you know? and then and that and that was it was thematically appropriate that she pushed it off, and if she hadn't, it would have sucked. I and then Gavin talks to his client and it, says, it, "You know, I've told you this horrific story, and if you can find a sliver of yourself that you care about this woman that you're still with, go to her." Uh, and he has a great line where he says, "My parents did it. Sixty-three years, a few of them good." Um, I, I think that you know, uh, <laughs> I think that, and then the client leaves, and he calls his wife, and he says he's going to be home. That's the War of the Roses, guys. Is his wife so, the poet? I hope so. <laughs> I think she is. Uh, the, the moral of the story essentially was don't get divorced because you could die. Divorce, Divorce will could kill you. Kill you. Stick it out. Be. It's easier. Yeah. yeah. It's easier. Just, no, just I, like if you're miserable, it's better than being dead. Well, the, I, I, I agree with you. I think that, I think that they... they the strongest moral of the story is when it's time to break up, yes, break up. Yes, yes. Um, I think the moral he, of the story is sign a fucking prenup. <laughs> sign a prenup. <laughs> but the, Very true. But I do think it gets it confuses itself with his final parting word to the guy, which is like, if you still have a sliver of hope, go back and, and find it. As if, again, as if the man gets to decide the outcome for the marriage, which I think is the 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 foolishness of this movie which is michael douglas the whole time did find a sliver he had a sliver yeah. the whole time that was the point yeah. and it didn't stop him from dying yeah. so i think can i ask you guys one more question because we got to rate we got to do all that stuff but why did you guys know it is outside of danny devito's office mm-hmm. he has a view yeah, of the capital DC? <laughs> but throughout the no i don't care about that they did that for the confirmation here oh, and whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was the why was why was the entire movie it, was the, why the entire movie was there a blood red sky it's out true. that window? That's a very good question. <laughs> because because he only takes clients at sunset, <laughs> which, la- which lasts in DC for for hours. I do think. End. Can I can I give um, a, an answer that I think is not really the answer you're looking for, but an answer that I think is. That I think cool? is interesting. Yeah, well, sort of. I think that this movie, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of maths, a lot of matte paintings, a lot of sort of overtly kind of surreal is the wrong word, but sort of larger than life. And I think it's part of that. This is my, but th- this this is the kind of thing that I would just like the a hill I would die on, which is 
that's supposed to be real life. And the story is supposed to be the story. He is, he, he, in Danny DeVito is the framing device that ostensibly is set in our universe. And anything that happens in the story is told through the lens of this guy's anything can happen. The most grounded so part of I it should be the, I mean, the Danny DeVito storytelling part of it. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, unless it's an inception, a dream within a dream situation and he's going to wake up at some point. But, um, Let's rate it. First. Uh, I mean, I'll go first. I'm I'm fine going first since I'm the only one who saw this film and clearly the only one that really likes it. Um, I in the you know, I'm going to say in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s when I saw this film a bunch, I didn't really get it. So, but I, you know, as I mentioned, my mom liked it, so I watched it a bunch. Um, I probably would have given it like an 80, I guess. I think I sort of was like, you know, this is a good movie and people like this movie and my mom likes this movie and I think it's funny, whatever. Watching it the other day, I, I fucking love this movie, guys. I, I, I'm, I'm at a 95 on this movie. I think this movie is one of the funniest yeah. movies. I love it. Um, you can make that face all you want, Kenny. Uh, I, I really love this movie. I think it's a really funny, twisted film um, that works for me. Now, you know, you guys have... And after the conversation, you're still no, at 95? No, I'm down to a 90. Um, okay. I, think it's, I think it's still a great movie. Um, still one of the greatest I, movies I mean, listen, ever man, I, I don't know. It's Part of it, too, is um, generally speaking, I'm not a comedy person. You know, we've had a bunch of conversations on this specific podcast about 89 comedies that Kenny adores and many people adore. Your Major Leagues, your National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, movies that feel like bearing walls of comedy that don't do much for me. Um, It's just... But you like them both. I liked them fine. Particularly Major League. I liked them fine. You you gave Major League a really good score. Again, you this isn't a this isn't an attack on you, but again, I know it's, it's not. I would say that if our comedic sensibilities are put next to each other, Kenny, I'm War of the Roses, your Major League, and that's fine. But that's like I, it's just I'm not. I don't. It doesn't. So you know what I'm saying? Like broad, generally speaking, it's just, will, it's, it's what it is. So. I will go next. I don't agree with you. I think we have very similar comedic sensibilities. Our favorite movie of this year of this year of ninety nine was both being John Malkovich and our favorite movie of all time was both Fargo. Like we are very similar in the end of the day in terms of what like gets us excited. There's a there's a lot this between movie, this and Fargo and it, the Coen brothers' sensibilities of, of dark comedy. I mean that that I mean that's that's there there's a there there's a shared genre allegedly. But I I don't think that there is a line. I don't see the line. But all right, so I I had trouble with this movie the whole time because I know that you love it so much. And when you love a movie, Phil, I want to love it too. Uh, sometimes it works, like Fabulous Baker Boys, which I loved. And sometimes it doesn't, like War of the Roses, which I do not love. I uh, before the podcast, I gave it a forty. The forty came largely from the ending. Um, though I feel like, you know, my last little note was, well, thanks for telling me what the moral was. I needed the help, and I did need the help. I don't know if I would have walked away knowing what it was if Devito didn't literally tell me what he was, you know, trying to say with this movie at the end of it. I have to go low. Like I, I, I don't just not that much. I, I just don't see much that's redeeming in the movie. I didn't laugh. I wasn't compelled. I, I, I would not tell anyone to watch this. Uh, I don't understand it. Um, I don't feel like, Phil, you got you tried to get me to understand it very hard. 
And I, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it what I was gonna give it before. I'm gonna give it a 25. I'm sorry, that's really but where I stand. Uh, Carrie, what do you guys think? What I am. Think? Um, I'll, I'll go first. This is a zero to a hundred. Zero to ninety-nine. Zero to ninety-nine. I would. I'm thinking about this. I would. I'm gonna go with like seventy-four. I I didn't hate it. I liked it, but I like I'm probably not gonna like recommend it to anyone, but I wouldn't be like avoid this movie at all costs. It's kind of like it's definitely of its time, but I, I'm going a little bit higher because I personally liked that it was perhaps not intentionally, just through my lens now in 2021, kind of a commentary on the excess of the eighties. And I kind of enjoyed that this very wealthy couple destroyed not only themselves, but the house that they were fighting for the entire time. I thought that was like the most interesting part of the movie. Um, But I, and I think it has a lot more potential to be better with different actors. Like we talked about. Um, So I'll, I'll do like 72 because it's not bad, but it's also like not above 75. Carrie Kurgan. I will say uh, 59. So it passes. Mm-hmm. It just passes. <laughs> it is a passing grade. Um, again, yeah, it's, I, didn't, I didn't absolutely loathe it, which is why I won't go lower than a passing grade. But, like, I just, it's one of those movies where I can see what it was trying to do. And I can see the ways it doesn't get quite there. And that bothers me. And I can think about the different, like we said, like if, if Polly Platt had stayed on it, if it had different actors, if it, like committed, it's all these, like these things where I'm like, I like this, but I would change this about it. That for me, I, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I don't like regret spending two hours of my life watching this movie um it's just it has moments but like it's not i don't know it's it's not listen for me. i i it's, it's more of the roses like it's a more interesting like this discussion has been more interesting than the movie listen this, this uh personally this is not the first I feel so bad not be the last film that i am uh fighting for against uh three of our guests uh it's it's what it it's is the second but it's, it's, it's this, not, is, this I, is the, sorry. It, this is the widest spread I think we've had. From, I, I, I'm pretty I, sure. Listen, guys, I, it's it's. I, I I don't know what to say. I'm. It's unfortunate that you guys didn't like it. Um. You know. I think that. I, no, no, I, I did I, I not like Carrie, it. That you that you enjoyed it. I, I understand. I also I understand why you like it. I, I think that. Um. You know. I think it's. <laughs> Listen, this movie made over $300 million, has 85% from critics. I, I feel relatively justified in my in my liking of the film. I so mean, now, now we're going back there. I'm just there. saying, I'm Come allowed on, to... Dude. Kenny, listen, man, you're allowed, you're allowed to... You could be justified, but you don't have, I you mean, could be justified, that... but you don't have to be justified. You, you don't have to take solace in like the wisdom of the crowd, man. You like it for your own reasons. Uh, That's the answer. Yes, right, and I wanted to like it because of that. Like I saw, I like. It's also one of those movies where I'm like, I'm disappointed that I didn't like it more because a lot of it is like the themes, the like production design, the year, everything mm-hmm. about it. It's like it, it. This is a movie that should be extremely my shit, 
Then you look at yeah, the too. great ratings and the great review, like the box office and the reviews. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good movie. I, I wonder if but that does yeah, a disservice to it. Though. You like it because you like it. And we no, don't no, like that's, it that, listen, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, I, 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 don't, I just, I mean, I don't do take, just, I agree with Kenny saying like, don't take solace. I, I, the, my, my, the critics liking it too. I, like, I like fucking Georgia rule. <laughs> Go off. I, I hear that. And by the way, like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, um, fucking uh, HomePod just ju- just jumped on. Um, what I was going to say is uh, that I, I, I listen. Taste is taste. I'm not. I, I I get it. I hear where you guys are coming from. Taste is I, but taste. I, but it's I a do comedy. think that um, I do wonder if uh, that hurts the film too, right? I mean, I I, t- I take partial responsibility yeah. for that too, Carrie. I asked you to come on because I did think that this movie would be something that you would enjoy, and I I you know I I obviously didn't want to subject you to a film that you weren't going to enjoy. Um, and as for Kenny, I'm, I mean, I'm you not, never I'm, know. I'm a little, uh, you know, I, 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 I think you're being a little hard on it, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, but, but more than anything, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you guys came on to talk about it. It was, it was, yes, a, you guys it was are awesome. a great conversation yeah, for a great fun. movie. And, and, and it was not at nearly it. as confusing as I feared I, having two carries. I, no, I think we did okay. I'm now wondering, I'm going to wonder for the rest of the day why that girl I was friends with and had sleepovers I mean, at her point. house, why they had the War of the Roses on VHS, like, along with all the Disney movies in her I music. mean, is she single? Is it possible that, it was though. the same, it was possible it was the same girl? Who went to go see it in Toronto? It's certainly oh. I, I don't know. I don't know. If she's single, is a better joke. You're right, Phil. I feel like there was always uh, one girl with that in every, like, yeah. every. But she wasn't, like, group. cool, though. So I'm, like, really confused. No, I mean, listen, it, it's, it's, okay. it's I, I, I said it up top. I, I stand by it. I think it's a weird movie, guys. I'm, and, and, I, and I recognize yeah. the fact that perhaps. Uh, I am a strange person for for loving it as much that I as much as I do, um, but but again, like I, I think it's I, I thought obviously it led to to good conversation, perhaps most importantly. But um, I, uh, I I obviously Kenny and I were thrilled to have you guys on, and we hope that you'll we'd love to have you guys back, have you back together oh, or individually. Absolutely, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe for something we all liked. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I don't I don't know what that is, but I'm I'm curious to find let's out see, what it could yeah, be. Yeah, let, let, let's see what 1999 I, has to offer for it, you guys. It, 80, 89 is also a hard is hard. Like not that there were like bad movies, but it's like hard to like I feel like a lot of them are like polarizing or like so weird or I don't know. It's it's an interesting year for movies. Listen, we've we've had a lot of really great conversations. Uh, we will continue to have them. Uh, it's a it's a great year. It's got a lot of really great movies. It's got a lot of weird movies. Um, but you know, again, I thank you both for Carrie Whitmer for coming on for for Frasier and Carrie Kurgan for coming on for Sex and the City for those previous episodes as well. Um, and uh, we hope to have you guys back in the future. Oh yeah! Thank anything. you so much, guys. Of course, yeah. Of course, thank of course. You. Thank you so much. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1989. Baby fish mouth. Baby fish mouth. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.